Generation X Paranormal. Welcome back. So season two. Um, but listen, you know, we're going to kick this right away because uh, we're excited. We have uh, we have a special guest. Uh, we have Floyd Wills, and he is the author of The Red-Haired Giants of Lovelock Cave and Other Ancient Mysteries. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, it is a great book. Um, but anyway, we've got a fantastic interview coming up. So we'll catch you on the other side. Hey, how you doing, Floyd? I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, first off, thank you so much for doing the show. We're absolutely honored to have you as our as our premier season two premier guest. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. And I appreciate uh, you and, and thank you to all your listeners for tuning in. I think uh, we're going to have a very uh, fun and in- interesting conversation on giants. And who knows, <laughs> maybe the rabbit hole goes deeper and maybe we cover other things or we stick with giants. You right. never know. I've <laughs> been down good. that rabbit hole. <laughs> so uh, just kind of kicking things off um, in your book. We, we both have read your book yep. and we're going to, we're going to show it up here. Uh, it shows there, it? Yep. but uh, we got uh, the author of uh, the redhead, the red haired giants of Lovelock cave and other uh, ancient mysteries. So um, great book. Fantastic read, Thank by you. the way. Um, it was really, it was really nice for, for a guy like myself who, I probably don't have as good of a reading uh, level as I'd like to, but it was nice and easy for me to to, to read and apprehend. So uh, good, uh, great book. Good. Thank yeah, you very so much. I, yeah, but anyway, you mentioned, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you mentioned something that that really resonated with me. It's in search of that show. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember very vividly, and I know you mentioned in the book, but I remember very vividly that you know I would. I would hear that in the background and it, even the, the theremin type sound in the background, I don't know what it was with Leonard Nimoy with theremin, theremin uh, theme songs for the shows yeah. he was in, but uh, you know, that theremin sound, sound would come on and be like, yeah, I was a little freaked out. So um, yeah, it, it, what a great show, right? It was a wonderful show. And of course, you know, the late great Leonard Nimoy, um, such a great actor and I loved his voice. And yes. I just thought he was a great host for that show and yeah, I remember just the intro to the show, and then you know it was back in the early '80s, and you got a oh, lot yeah. of synth- synthesizers <laughs> going off, and yeah, yeah, it was just a fun show, you know, on it ancient was. civilizations and Bigfoot and yeah. uh, paranormal stuff, and, and and that show really got me interested from a young age into uh, the whole realm of the paranormal and ancient civilizations, and it's just an interest that I've carried over into adulthood and it led me to eventually writing a book on on giants and uh, other ancient mysteries and there's a lot of other different things in there besides giants i get into the little people i talk about the ancient uh, civilizations of uh, samaria the anunnaki uh, extraterrestrial races the tall whites the grays the reptilians the nazca mummies i mean i really get into a lot of stuff the Nazca mummies, man. Let me tell you that that right there that floored was, me. Yeah, but we'll, yeah. Hey, we'll talk about that later. We'll see. But <laughs> yeah, that that one right there, I was like, wow, that riveted me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess that kind of leads pretty well into the the first set of questions we kind of have for you. And again, 
Yeah. You know, just free flow. We we have structure, but not not entirely too much. So yeah. So what specifically about the Giants? What led you to get so interested in them to write a book to kind of start the book about them? Right. Well, from a, a very young age, I've always been interested in uh, mythology and legends, and uh, most of your ancient civilizations have stories about giants. Mm-hmm. And of course, some of the more familiar ones that many people are, you know, have heard before, are like in the Bible, David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a lot more mention of giants in mm-hmm. the Bible beyond just that story. There's King Og of Bashan. He had like a 13 foot long bed, and it was framed in iron to support his um, his girth. Um, yeah, and then there's the Nephilim mentioned in the Bible in Genesis 6, and it's uh, something I read when I was uh, young, and I didn't understand it, and I didn't look into the backstory until uh, I became an adult, and that's Genesis 6, and I'm paraphrasing this. It said, there were giants in the earth in those days and thereafter, when the mm-hmm. sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore them children, and they became mighty men, men of renown, and I thought, giants and right. sons of God and 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 sons of God having sex with earthly women and giants <laughs> like what in the heck is going on yeah, right. and so and so I started researching into the backstory of that and and finding more um, uh, scripture to support that in the Bible of giants but uh, also looking into the book of Enoch and the book of giants which are books of the Bible that were left out, that were not in the canonized right. version. And, and those are those, the Dead Sea Scroll versions, right? Is yes, that what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And 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 those books fill in the whole backstory of the Genesis 6. And so mm-hmm. to me, that answered a, a, a lot of questions. But, you know, I've always been interested in mythology and legends and giants have, have been one of those subjects that fascinated me. Uh, I heard a lecture by a researcher named Jim Vieira probably seven or eight years ago, and he does a lot of research into the giants. And I was captivated when I was watching his presentation. He he uh, presented a lot of old newspaper articles on giant skeleton discoveries, particularly focused in North America. And he was referencing all these different articles, and I thought, wow, this is some wild stuff. Like, could this really be true? So it piqued my interest, and I started going online. I, I thought, well, if he's pulling up these articles, like, I should be able to find them if I do a little research. So I subscribed to a number of old newspaper databases. And I started collecting these articles, and and they weren't very difficult to find. And before long, I literally had a, a, no pun intended, a giant file (laughs) of these articles on giants. And I couldn't couldn't believe it at going through some of these articles, um, you know, uh, giant skeletons that were, you know, 8 feet tall, 10 feet tall. In my book, I I referenced there was an alleged 25-foot tall uh, skeleton in Nevada. And uh, in Pennsylvania, there was another giant that was probably 16, uh, at least 16 feet uh, that uh, allegedly when it was found, it had a double row of teeth. And we can get into Mm -hmm. that whole subject because in the Bible, when David and his mighty men were fighting the giants, it mentions a specific giant that had a double row of teeth and six fingers on each hand, which I thought very interesting. Very much um, so. Yeah. But yeah, this giant in Pennsylvania uh, allegedly had armor like those found in ancient Nineveh, and it had a sword, and and um, mm. of course it it, dis- it said in the article it's going to be put on public display, and and it never 
you know, I never heard any more about it. So yeah, imagine that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That seems so, to be the theme. <laughs> it seems to be the theme. And, you yeah. know, I, and I'm not saying that all the articles that are out there on giant skeleton discoveries are, are necessarily true. There right. probably were some misidentifications of sure. uh, skeletal remains and, and, and maybe a few hoaxes. And, and some people, mm-hmm. you know, will say, oh, well, they're Cardiff giant. You know, that was a, well, that was a hoax, you know, this, this, really huge alleged fossil uh, fossilized giant um, was fake and if you look at the photos it does look it, and it was fake and it looks really fake it looks almost kind of like a statue but these uh, descriptions of these other giant skeleton discoveries were very detailed and I found uh, a lot of little consistencies between many of these articles like in the, mm-hmm. in the skulls like protruding brow ridges massive jaw bones um, in some cases, double rows of teeth, and sometimes it would reference specifically the upper row. And I've noticed that in different articles of different discoveries found throughout North America. And we're talking a period of time here, maybe going back from the late 1800s into the 60s, perhaps. And okay, so yeah. I just started finding these little um, anomalies, but they were consistent in a lot of the articles, which to me, um, you know, it was true. It was like, wow, this this is possible. Like this sure. is. I don't. I don't think a lot of. I don't think this is a hoax. Maybe there were hoaxes, but we're talking about you know periods of time before the internet, uh, mm-hmm. even when many people didn't have you know uh, telephones or there was no telephone, and right. so you know it's not like an internet hoax now where someone can Photoshop some pictures oh, yeah. and with They're a click of the there. mouse they can send them throughout the world. You know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't right. like that back then. So well, you know, I I find that interesting because. You know, granted, we're a show about the paranormal. That that's kind of what we do, and mm-hmm. you know, and I've said this in our show uh, several times, and, and I I hate to call this a cryptid because to me, I don't think it's a cryptid per se. Um, a cryptid to me would be more like uh, you know Loch Ness or something like traditional cryptid type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that hat on, uh, cryptid cryptozoology and these types of things are really the only part of paranormal that we've ever actually substantiated you know mm-hmm. we 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 always thought oh there was this great you know squid and we talked about it forever and we just you know fantasized about it and wrote about it well guess what we found one you know so it's like yeah with, with these giants and these things going on to me uh it's more of like uh we have some you know some ability to back that up with evidence uh, granted now some of it's it's very difficult like you said in your book to come by because of you know, whether it's through native or cultural rights or things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they did exist. People had touched them. We we physically have seen them. So, um, you know, it's, it is extremely fascinating. And you're right. I think that's one of those where I don't know that it, the effort to prove it is necessarily there because we have this, even from an anthropological state, we know it existed. Um, it's just certain things that, you know, how and the where and, and things that you've talked about in your book. So. Mm-hmm. And I hope you don't mind if I quote you here. I I wrote it down as I was reading because I love this quote in your book. It says, where there is smoke, there is fire. Within every legend, there is a kernel of truth. To find that truth, one must be willing to explore the myths with an open mind instead of writing them off to the realm of fantasy. And I just absolutely love that quote from you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, I mean, like you had mentioned, Logan, um, there are is evidence out there it is hard to come by Mm -hmm. but we do have uh photographs um there have been people that have 
claimed to have seen these giant uh, skeletons, even discovered the giant skeletons. And now talking about the realm of, of, of physical proof, we have uh, information coming out about another species, uh, another relative of ours called the Denisovans. And I talk yes. about them in my book. They mm-hmm. were first discovered uh, back in 2010, I believe it was, in, in Siberia in a cave there called Denise of a Cave, and, and archaeologists were excavating that cave, and they found a giant tooth yeah. about twice the size of a normal tooth, and they found a knuckle bone, and they found a stone bracelet that had little 8-millimeter holes drilled into it, which mm. was amazing because these artifacts dated back at least 50,000 years. And mm. once they started they doing... a drill like that? <laughs> exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> tiny, tiny holes, so they must yeah. have... You know, however they made those tiny holes, um, they, you know, obviously put some type of little string or something through there and probably had some type of decorations on there. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is incredible. Once the DNA sequencing was done on the tooth and the knuckle bone, they determined that this was another hominid species that was unidentified, and they they Hmm. named them the Denisovans. Well, what blows me away is recently in China, there has been the discovery of a complete skull of a Denisovan called Homo longi, which means dragon skull. I'm not sure if you've heard of that discovery. No, no I don't think, I don't think we have, no. Okay, I'll get into a, a little bit of that. Sure. And I actually have a replica of the, the skull that was found, and I'd like to show it on camera yeah. just to give you Please an idea. Please do, that's Absolutely. awesome. Yeah, that's when, we're awesome. T- when we're talking about physical evidence sure. and remains, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it goes back to where there's smoke, there's fire. So behind mm-hmm. these legends of giants, there's definitely something there. Um, so this skull was found in the late 1930s in China. Uh, there was a, a, a worker uh, who was under forced labor by the Japanese who had occupied that particular area of China at that time. And he was doing uh, building a bridge and found unearthed this giant skull. And what he did is he didn't he didn't want obviously want to turn it over to the Japanese because they would have taken it. Sure. He would have yeah. never seen it. So he hid it in a well. And this man lived to a very, very old age. And on his deathbed, he revealed to his children that he had found the skull and where he hid it. So his children actually went and retrieved the skull out of this well and turned it over to the local university there. And then they started doing testing on it. And they they are claiming that it is a, a complete Denisovan skull. And I'd like to show you the, the replica that I yeah. have of it. And it's a, it's a, it's a good, a good sized skull. And it's wow. uh, definitely it's more of a like a football uh, football shape. And if you can see the front, it's got, you know, pretty massive uh, eye yeah, sockets. The ocular sockets are really big, really Even the big. nasal cavity. Yes. Wow. And, you, you know, there was no jawbone to it. But you can imagine if this had a massive, uh, massive jawbone on it as well. So, yes, a very, very large uh, skull. And some researchers believe that these Denisovans could have averaged in height about, um, you know, seven and a half feet tall. Yeah, and that's wow. that's tall for, for our age even now. But if you think about back then, you know, the mm-hmm. average height of a human was nowhere well, like near that. Yeah, something. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yes. It's impressive. Thank you for sharing. That's that was amazing. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a very interesting uh, subject. I do cover the Denisovan, excuse me, discovery <laughs> in my book, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I plan on writing a second book, and I plan to go in more in more depth on like the the Homo longi skull, oh. and I'm sure more information is coming out on the Denisovans, and I definitely like to 
put that in my second book. Yeah, that'd be yeah, awesome. I'd awesome love to read, read that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's – oh, go ahead. No, 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 please, please. Oh, no, so that's one track as far as when we're talking about these giants in North America, like who could they have been? Who were they? So mm-hmm. one track I take in the book and – You know, I present my information uh, just like this is my research. This is some evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not saying it's this or that. You take a look at it. You you come to your own conclusions. And and that's how I wanted to write my book. And one one of those tracks was, you know, could they have been maybe uh, Denisovans? Maybe there was some Denisovan incursion coming into North America. We do know that the Neanderthals uh, interbred with our ancient ancestors. In fact, most of us have Neanderthal DNA. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of us will have some uh, Neanderthal DNA. And now that they've uncovered this new species, the Denisovans, they're discovering uh, populations that actually have Denisovan DNA in them, particularly in the Native American populations and uh, some populations over in, uh, I believe, in uh, Papua New Guinea. Uh, oh, wow. There's okay. a, a, yeah, tribes over there that have Denisovan DNA. And so what we're de- finding out now is that there was all this interbreeding going on between our ancient ancestors and Neanderthals. These Denisovans, they were all interbreeding and who knows what kind of hybrids Oh, that sure. Could have created, and right. there, there could be other other species out there that we have not discovered yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, just mathematical genetics; it has to have had oh, yield yeah. something. You know, I mean, it's that simple. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, as a as a native, um, and I don't know if we're getting ready to jump into it, but the red red haired giants that yeah. were, were we getting ready to jump into that one. Sure. Yeah, because what's the what's the legend? Yeah, it's got <laughs> me on the, the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the the okay, so the Lovelock Cave is located in uh, uh, the Lovelock area of Nevada, and mm-hmm. that whole story goes back to a long-held uh, oral tradition of the Northern Paiutes, and they talk yep. about a race of red-haired giants, and they were known by various names. One of them was Satika, which means tule eaters, and tule is like a water plant. <laughs> And in okay. that area, uh, not far from the cave, there was a lake. And at one time, that was a very marshy area. And I imagine there was a lot of these tule plants around there. And allegedly, these giants, they would um, they would use those water plants for various things, uh, basketry. Um, there was even a, a tule sandal that came out of Lovelock Cave. And it was so large, the anthropologist that I was in communication with, he sent me a picture of this tule sandal. And he uh, actually put it on a on a, an alleged uh, casting of a Bigfoot print. Oh, and, wow. And, and I, I think you've seen it in my book that yeah. the, the sandal goes, the fits the width of it. Yep. And based upon the the uh, dimensions of the measurements of the sandal, um, I calculated out to be a shoe size of 29, which wow. um, I couldn't find any, any foot well, that no. big on, on record. I mean, no, I can that, think of like Shaquille O'Neal, I think has like a 21 21- I think he's a 21. Is he even that big? Yeah, that, that, it's yeah. a huge foot. And whenever you see it, I think I was, I don't know where I was and I saw one of his shoes on, on display and I'm like, I think that was the entirety of my forearm and <laughs> length. I'm like, good. I mean, that's just crazy. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this Thule sandal came out of the cave and that was, that was one of the artifacts. But these red haired giants, um, they were very violent. 
and they were cannibalistic and they attacked the neighboring tribes and you know they would they would eat their victims and finally the Paiutes got tired of being attacked and they actually mm-hmm. banded together with other local tribes and they waged war on these giants that lasted for 3 years and and finally uh, the final battle culminated at Lovelock Cave and the Paiutes cornered the red-haired giants there they threw brush in front of the cave they lit flaming arrows and uh, according to the oral traditions, the Paiutes kind of gave the giants an ultimatum. They said, you know, why don't you stop what you're doing? Why don't you live like men? You know, why don't mm-hmm. you stop what you're doing? And, they, and apparently they kind of gave them a gave them a chance. But right. there was there was no response back. And who knows? Maybe this tribe didn't even understand what, you know, what the Paiutes were were saying. I don't know as far as language wise. Who knows? Sure. But they, right. they shot these flaming arrows in there and they they burnt the giants to death. And so that was the last of the red-haired giants. Now, in 1911, there were two guano miners who were mining that that cave, and they uncovered some of these artifacts and and skeletons. And then they called in the local university, and an excavation was done. And uh, and apparently there were thousands of artifacts that came out of the cave, and allegedly around 46 bodies that came out. Uh, some wow. of them very large, some of them that still had the red red hair attached. Now, the skeletons, they all disappeared. The The artifacts, however, were dis- distributed to a number of different, um, different okay. museums. Uh, in Carson City, Nevada, uh, at the um, Nevada State Museum, they do have some of the artifacts there that came out of Lovelock Cave that you can still see which is uh, very interesting. There were uh, right. duck decoys made, made out of Thule and that w- were beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and just a really interesting workmanship. And there is a giant uh, pestle, one of those grinding stones um, that, came, that was found yeah. near mm-hmm. Lovelock Cave. That was like around 45, 40 or 45 pounds, which is immensely large and heavy, oh. much larger than a normal pestle. And that was found... Uh, right near Lovelock Cave in that in that vicinity. Wow! So you you can still see artifacts. Wow. Skeletons disappeared. However, there was a small museum in Winnemucca called the Humboldt Museum, where allegedly there was a few of the skulls from Lovelock Cave ended up in the in the museum. But they always kept mm-hmm. them in the basement. They would never put them on public display. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really odd. It's like you have these mm-hmm. these skulls, yeah. and why aren't they? displayed and so you would have to ask the curator to to view the skulls and and the the skulls are no longer there they were allegedly repatriated back to the tribes allegedly Uh, (laughs) allegedly and and, you know and if and if if the Paiutes here's a good question if the Paiutes believe that those were the red-haired giants why would the Paiutes want the skulls back of these people that they waged war with for years and they looked at as evil and violent so I, I can't quite figure that one out but no, I, I could imagine, you know, vanquishing an enemy like that, mm-hmm. that, you know, pretty much ravaged your entire village or however it worked out for the Paiutes and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, their skulls. Yeah, we'd like to have those back now, please. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. If, if you figure that one out, you let me know. But yeah, I, I, will. Thought was, I thought I that was will. very strange. And when I initially started uh, writing my book and, and the reason why I decided to focus as far as my section on giants on the, the Lovelock Cave is that as I got into that uh, backstory and the artifacts and I obtained some photographs of actually some of the skulls that were in that museum, 
I found that there was a lot of evidence and, and that's mm-hmm. what intrigued me with that story where yeah. other articles would, you know, there would be no photographs and it would say, you know, the, the uh, skeletons um, are being um, examined by the Smithsonian. And of course it's gone. You never, you never right. see them. So with this story, there was, you know, newspaper, paper articles, there were photographs, there were, um, you know, tra- um, in oral tradition, they were talked about by the Paiutes. In fact, um, one of the chiefs in that area, um, Chief Winnemucca, his daughter, Sarah Winnemucca, and this, this was in the 1800s, um, she would go around lecturing and talking about the, the, you know, the Paiute traditions. And she mm-hmm. mentions the red-haired giants in her memoirs yep. and said that she has a dress or she had a dress and it has still has the red hair of these giants on the, really? to the dress. That's interesting. That's fascinating. I'd like to find that dress because yeah, if yeah, I mean, DNA testing on right. the red hair, well, then maybe we could, maybe that might give us some clues. Right. Close which the book would, on that one. <laughs> close yeah. the book on that one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of backstory uh, with the the, um, the Paiute tradition of these giants and these skulls ending up in Humboldt Museum. And before they were taken away, before they were you know, disappeared. Uh, there was a researcher named M.K. Davis, uh, probably 40 or 50 years ago, he went in that museum. And the and the, the curators at that time, they were uh, much more open to talking about that subject. Um, and there was a, a lady there, Pansy Lee Larson, who was a former curator, and apparently she was very helpful uh, and knew a lot of information on the red-haired giants, and she would gladly show people these skulls. In fact, there was another re- researcher, Stan Nielsen, who went there uh, decades ago, and he had brought um, a dental model that he got from his uh, dentist to compare it to the jaw, one of the jawbones of, of the skulls in the muse- in that museum. And there's a picture of it in my book that shows mm-hmm. the, the jawbone and this little this dental model. And if you look at the the, the dental model and you look at the teeth on that massive jaw, you can see those teeth are you know, twice as big probably oh, yeah. as a normal, as a normal tooth, which sounds mm-hmm. interesting because then it goes back to what the story of the Denise events when the archeologist mm-hmm. first found that tooth, they didn't even think it was a human tooth. They're like, is this a cave bear tooth? Because yeah. it was right. so much bigger. Wow. Yeah. When I, I have to admit when I first, actually I heard about this before. And then when I discovered your book, I, I wanted to read it because I had heard something a long time ago and I actually read like a fiction book about it, um, about a Welsh and you mentioned it in your book, a Welsh prince that had come to the Americas, you know, I don't even remember the time period. Mad- but, uh, Maddock, was that Maddock, yeah. yeah. And they think that, you know, they mated with the, the natives here. And so when I saw the giants with the red hair, I was thinking mm-hmm. maybe that's what it was. Now, further reading, I don't think that now, but, um, that was my first impression. You know, I thought that that would be really cool if that's where they actually came from. Yeah. And yeah, it's very fascinating. I I think there's been a lot of pre-Columbian travelers here in North Mm -hmm. America, long before Columbus, there was a a gentleman back in the seventies and eighties. He was, uh, um, he was a scholar, brilliant man. His name was Barry Fell, and he wrote a couple books. One of them's called America BC, and that book really influenced me. I read that, I don't know, probably 20 years ago. And he documents a lot of evidence in North America of mm-hmm. these uh, pre-Columbian travels from all over. He believes the Phoenicians made it over here, the Egyptians, the Celts, 
um, just a number of different uh, groups made it over here. And even some of the um, Druids of Europe um, made it over here. And there's these strange stone structures and in uh, different parts of North America, particularly in the eastern uh, eastern mm-hmm. part. Um, and then uh, more of a recent um, researcher that's kind of carried that torch, um, he did a series, uh, Scott Walter, America Unearthed. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. He had a, a series on the History Channel. I that think took- you've actually watched some of that. Mm-hmm. Or I think I have. I, well, yeah, you watch more than I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't recall, but um. yeah, Scott really picked up the torch of Barry Fell's work, and has really, and he's a geologist, by the way, and he's really okay. um, brought forth a lot of evidence that there were these pre-Columbian travelers here. Now, here's an interesting uh, subject that's mentioned in my book. It was a discovery back in the '90s in San Diego of. Yep. Uh, a mastodon that was unearthed during road construction and the bones were crushed up and there were stone cobbles next to the mastodon and, you know, tests on the mastodon bones determined that the marrow had been sucked out of the bones. And so we have evidence here. We have these, these human like tools next to this mastodon. Well, they dated the mastodon said that thing could, could possibly go back 130,000 years. So wow. if, if that's the case, wait a minute. So we're told what, when the first peoples came here, maybe what, 20,000 years ago, mm-hmm. exactly. take? Okay. Yep. So if that's the case, then it, it then there, there was some other intelligent hominid species that was in North America going back a hundred thousand, possibly 130,000 years ago. Now the question is, is who were these hominids, you know, hominids? Were they, were they Denisovans? You know, were they hybrids, you know, that came, came in here into North America? And could that be the reason why a lot of the native American tribes said when our ancestors came here, there were giants that were already here. They were right. already here, and maybe there was, you know, maybe there wasn't a lot of them, but there was there was a remnants of them that were left, and they mm-hmm. had these interactions with the native tribes. And in some tribes, they'll talk about the giants that, uh, you know, there was more of a, a peaceful interaction. But in many cases, usually there's a violent uh, conflict. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I recall that too. I um, so I was raised somewhat in Tucson, Arizona, and in San Diego, and I remember very clearly when that discovery was made. Um, I think I remember what freeway they were trying to add on to, but, mm-hmm. um, no, I, that absolutely got a lot of people really, because you're right. Why would there be, uh, you know, quote unquote human like, or even what we'd consider upright, uh, humans in that time frame? I mean, there shouldn't, they shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. So you're opening up a whole other can of worms, you oh, know, yeah. Yeah. Start, <laughs> I mean, start going down that. It's so funny because, you know, especially when it comes to, to these kind of subjects is we tend to think very linear about things. And the, the moment that that something just twisted a little bit, that li- that line just just goes into goes into haywire. And it's just it's amazing mm-hmm. to me how that how that kind of transforms a lot of different things. That is so true, and I, I talk about that in my book, and I call it knowledge filtration. And knowledge mm-hmm. filtration is basically you have a belief or an ideology, and if if any if that information that you're exposed to, if it falls outside of that box that you put everything in, or it doesn't fit into that box, it, you just kind of filter it out. It's like yeah. you know, it doesn't fit in with my belief or my ideology, mm-hmm. then. Um, 
I'm just going to ignore it, uh, or that artifact's got to be fake. The skeletons right. were misidentified. It's, and it gets into uh, belief systems, and belief systems right. are very powerful. A yes, belief they are. doesn't even have to be true, only that no. you believe it's true. Right. Exactly. And so I talk about the Smithsonian Institution being involved in, in that kind of skullduggery. And that goes back to when they were founded in the mid-1800s. Um, they had a doctrine called the Powell Doctrine. There was a, a, a guy there called um, uh, James Wesley Powell. He was very influential at, at that time. And he basically said, look, if there's any artifacts or skeletal remains found in North America, any ancient artifacts, they have to be of Native American origin. They can't come from any other advanced civilization." And, right. and, and that's it. That's the bottom line. And if there's something that, uh, you know, someone claims is other than that, then it's got to be a hoax. It's got to be planted. It's got to be misidentified. So already from a very early time period, they were already developing that that fil- that filter. That it's this almost is like, how is it? and maybe I got this term wrong, but maybe dogmatic in a way. Absolutely. Like, perfect yeah. way to describe it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You know, yeah, admit. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, good. I was just, I don't know if you're aware of it. I know you mentioned there was like so many, you know, different places that they found bones and stuff in caves. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. is one local to where I grew up, um, oh. but it's in Missouri and in, in Steelville. It's a tiny little town and they found giant skeletons wow. there like a few mm-hmm. years ago yeah. and they disappeared as well. Yeah. Nobody could find them anymore. And Interesting. I, so when I was reading this in your book, I'm like, yep, there we go. There's and another can- one. <laughs> Can you guess where they went? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it start with an S? It sure does. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, they were, if I remember right, it was uh, they they it was in a doctor's office for the longest time, uh-huh. and I think mm-hmm. they used it uh, maybe for I mean whatever a doctor does with a skeleton in his office, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is where this bone is, and whatever have you. But um, I think at some point they realized this probably doesn't need to be here, um, so yeah. we're going to send it to the top men to uh to take care of yeah Yeah. right yeah when you say top men it makes me think of the indiana jones exactly movie where he's like where's the ark you know after going through all that stuff and we've got our top men don't worry we've got our top men working on it working on it right now it's being being crated up and then hauled off to a to a warehouse Uh filled with thousands of other crates right black holes can never be seen again <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, so, yeah, you know, and that does happen. In fact, um, unfortunately, it does happen. And many um, archaeologists, many paleontologists um, that uh, would even want to come forward, you know, if they made a real anomalous discovery, they would be in fear of losing their career. And sure. I, I cite a specific example of an archaeologist mm-hmm. um, that was doing work in, in Mexico, Virginia Steen McIntyre, and she found uh, was doing work on an ancient site over there that had human remains and artifacts. And, you know, she dated the site back hundreds of thousands of years ago, and which totally upset the apple crate, totally upset right. yeah. the whole uh, history. And she stuck to her gun. She used a number of different dating methods and she published her results in the early eighties. And, you know, many of her colleagues came forward and said, don't do it because mm-hmm. you're going to lose your career. But, you know, she yeah. stuck to her guns. She published that, uh, her, her, um, her research mm-hmm. and she lost her career in archeology. span And since that time, she's never worked in that field again. That's so sad. Yeah. And, you know, as an archaeologist, I mean, there's a passion there to do that job mm-hmm. and to have to, like, 
say that this is not the real thing, you know, and like pretend. Yeah. I can't imagine what that would do to someone. Oh, yeah. You know, like they, you'd almost want to give up. Like, what's the point anymore? You know, exactly. if you can't publish the real results. Exactly. It's, it's really sad. I mean, it'd make well, you feel like, you know, if you're a fraud, you know, because you know for a fact that what you're saying mm-hmm. isn't necessarily true. I mean, I would say even the most uh, most upright person would probably fall over on that because that would just take it take too much out of your soul. I think. Well, look at look at what's happening in the world now with censorship and oh, yeah. What, yeah. you know people that are being censored. Um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. being trying to be uh, silenced, and so we we see it. We see it now yeah. more yeah. than ever. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a reality. It is a reality, unfortunately. And I, I don't even know that there's a quote unquote fix for that. I think, unfortunately, some is human trait. I think sometimes, you know, and, you know, this is probably really deep in the woods on this, but when it comes to things like paranormal, and one of the main reasons we started a, a paranormal web or web uh, dates me a little bit, a paranormal (laughs) podcast um, is because I think the one thing that everybody experiences that it doesn't matter what walk of life, what your, what your financials look like, any of that, everybody gets touched by the paranormal in some way, shape or form. And a lot of that, in my personal opinion is how we deal with fear. And I think how we deal with fear says a lot about how we can, how we come up with certain solutions, certain things, um, especially when it comes to the unknown or, or things that don't fit in that dogmatic, uh, linear thinking, um, then all of a sudden, you know, how do we do this? Well, let's just silence it, censor it. It can't exist because it just, it's too devastating for our status quo. And that's kind of how I feel about that whole thing. Very well said. Yeah. I I think I'm really uh, in a line with, with your line of thinking. Definitely. And when you think of fear, fear, uh, what does it stand for? False evidence appearing real. Yeah, a lot of times what we fear, a lot of times, and I mean, I'm not saying that fear is a bad thing because no. it can help keep you alive or protect sure. you right. from, but, but again, it's, it's having a balance and there's so much fear uh, being kind of thrown on us in, in our society. And, and along with that fear, if you can keep people in a state of fear, they're easy, much easier to control. Oh, and if bet. you're in a, in your, if you're in a state of fear, you don't mm-hmm. use that prefrontal cortex very well, that analytical and really being able to kind of think through things because yep. you're operating on a more more primitive part of your brain, right? More right, of a, yeah. Even to the point of a survival uh, instinct. And in fact, a lot of people don't realize uh, there's a part of our brain called the reptilian brain. I was just brain. about to say that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reptilian versus the million brain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. reptilian brain, which is more like instinctual, more like fight or flight, really not right. a lot of... Um, other emotions other than just it's real territorial and it's mm-hmm. survival instinct. So yeah, the yeah. more people are in fear, the more they can be manipulated and controlled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Um, I did, you had some articles at the end of your book that you, you discussed like at the very end. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you talk a little bit about those? I know there's specific sure. the one I would love to hear about is the, sure. the Paiute David, because it reminds me of the David and Goliath story. Oh yes. <laughs> Paiute David. Yeah. I found this old article and it, and it talks about the Paiute uh, oral tradition that there was a, mm-hmm. a giant in this particular region along uh, the, the Truckee river. And apparently this, this giant was, you know, attacking the other tribes people. And, and finally a, a brave warrior 
confronted this giant and snuck up behind it and uh, shot it with a with an arrow. Now it wasn't just an arrow; it was a poisoned arrow. So this giant must have been pretty, you know, uh, pretty badass. He right. was using yeah, a poison sure. arrow, snuck yeah. up, and he and he killed the giant. And they, uh, the native people buried the giant. There was allegedly a grave in that mm-hmm. area, and they uh, they have a reverence for it. They kept it clear of vegetation. Apparently, there was some tracks in that area, and every time, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a native person would go in that area, they would, if the tracks were getting overgrown, they would, they would clear them out, which to me shows there was some kind of reverence or maybe a respect because right. they were a very fearsome, uh, a fearsome warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I found that That's very interesting. And I, I, I did uh, talk a little bit with uh, a researcher that um, gave me permission to um, use one of the photos of the skull uh, in the book of, mm-hmm. that was in Winnemucca, which is a huge skull. And incidentally, in the upper upper rows of teeth, guess guess what? There was supernumerary teeth. There was almost a double set. There were extra teeth, and then it had a little patch of red hair on it, uh, which yeah. is quite interesting. Because yeah. the Native people talked about, you know, that yep. these people had red hair. And, you know, most tri- most Native American tribes I know of, they don't have red hair. No. no. They, no. Don't, they don't have red hair, <laughs> no. which means they're from probably from, from somewhere else. Now, the argument mm-hmm. to that is archaeologists will say, well, you know, that the skeletons were in the ground and it was a very hot, you know, a desert climate. And there's a, pigment- a pigmentation uh, that we have that, you know, for, for reddish hair, for darker hair. And apparently under those conditions, uh, something buried and under those conditions, the pigment for the for the darker hair fades. And so you have that pigment with the red hair is still there, which can actually turn hair into more of a reddish color. And so right. that's their that's their theory on it. Well, these mummies were in the ground for a long time in this particular soil. The oxidation caused it to turn like a reddish color. But then again, I mean, is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. Mm -hmm. But you have all this oral tradition of the tribe saying they were a tribe and they had red hair. Right. So these are the native people saying they had red hair. In fact, there was another article um, in the back of my book where there was a lady. Her name was a reference named Annie Bill and her aunt was Sarah Winnemucca, the, the daughter oh, of Chief Winnemucca yeah. that had the dress with the red mm-hmm. hair. And mm-hmm. Annie Bill said, you know, from the time she was little, they were told about these red-haired giants and that um, she remembers her her um, elders saying that they had red hair and that they actually had long faces and they, have, mm-hmm. they were white-skinned. So not only mm-hmm. did they have the reddish hair, they had white skin and they had long faces. And that really doesn't sound like a like a Native no. American tribe no, to me. Doesn't sound like a pigmentation issue, you know, in the ground. I no, mean, no, no. I, and I'm not, I've never been one to completely offset science. I, I respect yeah. science for what it is, Me too. It, but, but it can't answer everything, you know? And, right. and I'm a big proponent of Occam's razor. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, it's kind of how I've lived the 40 plus almost 50 years of my <laughs> life. Um, and it's kept me at least alive up to this point. I hope. You're but, doing something uh, right. They're doing yeah. something right. But no, I just, to me, I think, you know, with, with, especially with that being said, with the white skin, I mean, I just, uh, it's it's tougher. It's a bigger pill to swallow for me. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Those legends come from somewhere. Yeah. Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? 
So yes, there you go. Absolutely. There's something there's something there. And so we talked a little bit about the track of okay, could they have could they be some species related to us, perhaps Denisovan, or perhaps a hybrid between a Neanderthal and our ancient ancestors and Denisovans that maybe came into North America at a much, much uh, later earlier period of time than we would ever imagine and, and, and maybe there was some of them here in North America and they had some interactions with the with the native peoples and that sprang forth the, the, the oral traditions that there were giants and, and whatnot. So the other track that I take, which I find um, also very intriguing, is about the Nephilim mentioned mm-hmm. in the Bible and I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Nephilim or you know what? Uh, I am more than he is. Yeah, uh, more okay. than what I, I would say. Your book gave me about the the most I know about it. To be perfectly honest, okay. But I know Nicole probably. Yeah, I mean, I remember them being mentioned, you know, in the Bible. But yes. obviously, you don't know a whole lot about them. You just remember little snippets, little bits here little and there. Snippets. Yeah. And have you mm-hmm. have you read the Book of Enoch? Have you had a chance to take a look at that? No, I should have probably. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you, if you get a chance and you're interested mm-hmm. in looking at apocryphal books, you know, books that mm-hmm. left out of the Bible, it's very intriguing. Look into the book of Enoch because I believe it's the whole backstory to that Genesis 6 mention mm-hmm. in the Bible. And also mm-hmm. there's the book of Giants, which is another book um, that also mm-hmm. fills in some of these details. But I'll, I'll kind of uh, just give a quick summary of the book yeah. of yeah. Enoch. Okay. And in the book of Enoch, it, it basically says there was this group of beings. They were known as the Watchers. And some people say they were angelic yeah. beings. They were angelic mm-hmm. beings. There was a group of 200 of them. And they found the women of the earth fair. And these angels, of course, they were supposed to, to guard humankind, protect us. But instead, they lusted after the women and they made a pact with each other. Now, in the, in the book of Enoch, it gets in such detail, it names, actually names the leaders of this particular group. And hmm. Samyaza, uh, Samyaza was one of the one of the leaders of this this group of fallen angels or watchers. And so they made a pact. They came down to the earth. Uh, and they interbred with the women of the earth. And not only did they do that, but they shared this uh, forbidden knowledge with humankind. They taught us the arts of war, how to make um, certain types of weapons. They taught us uh, elements of astronomy, astrology, um, architecture, right? And this goes mm-hmm. back to the to what some people call the the seven sacred sciences. And mm-hmm. some researchers said, you know, they jumped the gun. And obviously this knowledge that they brought forth to humankind, God didn't feel that we were ready to have. So they jumped the gun. Not only did they inter- interbreed and kind of corrupt our DNA, but then they gave us this forbidden knowledge. So there's all kinds of issues going on between the watchers and, and, and the creator. And so what happened is the women who were impregnated, they gave birth to uh, giants, and they were known as the Nephilim. And Nephilim is a proto-Hebrew word, a very ancient word meaning fallen ones. And the book of Enoch talks about these giants and that how violent they were. They were cannibalistic. They were blood drinkers. In fact, some people believe that the, uh, the first mentions of vampirism come Go back to the Nephilim. Okay. Go back to the get... ancient ancient times. That makes sense to me. It does. Yeah. It does make yeah. sense. Yeah. And then they were killing the humankinds. They, they started fighting amongst themselves. And in fact, I found a, a, just a very odd reference in the book of Enoch that said they were even corrupting the plant and animal life of, of the earth. And I thought, wow, mm-hmm. that almost sounds like some type of genetic yeah. engineering right. or something. It just For very sure strange. sounds like it. 
early yeah. GMOs. Kind of, yeah. Kind of gives me this like Prometheus kind of Bingo. thought. You know what I mean? It goes, and then I talk about the Anunnaki. I'm not sure how familiar yeah. with the Anunnaki, the yeah. ancient I, Sumerians, and they mm-hmm. said these these giant beings, these gods, came down and they they taught the Sumerians everything they knew, and they established the whole concept of kingship. And then, yeah. of course, the Anunnaki started fighting amongst themselves and destroying right. destroying things, and then they took off. Yeah. They took off. So there are some interesting parallels between the ancient Sumerian um, Anunnaki and the Nephilim mentioned in the Bible. And yep. mm-hmm. going back to the book of Enoch, these giants were destroying the earth. And so God sent the great deluge to flood, basically mm-hmm. to kill the giants off. And hmm. and so there was only a small group of humans that, that survived. And most of the giants died off, but not all the giants did. And in fact, in Genesis 6, that passage just said there were giants in the earth in those days and thereafter. And I believe the and thereafter refers to after the flood. The flood. The, the, it didn't wipe them all out. There was still a bloodline that was left of the of the Nephilim. And so we see that remnants of that bloodline in the Bible with things like uh, with Goliath. He was mm-hmm. of the bloodline of the Rephaim, which traced back to the Nephilim. King Og of Bashan, he was also traced back to the bloodline of the Nephilim. And there were other tribes of giants mentioned in the Bible, the Zanzamites, the, um, the the Amorites, just a number of different tribes that are mentioned in the Bible um, that reference um, giants. And so I get onto the track where, like, wait a minute. So in the Bible talks about giants. It said they were here. They mm-hmm. were um, all all over the earth. Um, they Most of them were killed off. Some of them did survive after this great cataclysm that happened. And so what happened to that bloodline? You know, could there still be some type of bloodline connection and could they still, you know, did they exist long after that? Or could, could there, could a bloodline even exist to to this day? And if so, if if the Nephilim were on the earth, how did they end up over here in Mm -hmm. North America? How on earth you're talking from the biblical lands, could they, could they end up over here? And so I get into some of the work of a gentleman by the name of Fritz Zimmerman, um, who has some interesting theories. He's written a number of books, one of them, uh, Nephilim in the Ohio Valley, where he uh, presents a theory that these giants did come to North America in ancient times, that they were a tribe mentioned in the Bible known as the Amorites. And the Amorites, they were, uh, in the Bible, it says they were as tall as cedars. That's how they were described. They were these powerful wow. individuals. And and Fritz believed that um they were a seafaring culture and that they did a lot of mining and they mined a lot of copper. And so, so these Amorites left or they left the biblical lands. They were kind of pushed out. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on and a lot of the Israelites were killing a lot of them off to kind of take back some of that, that territory over there. And so a group of these Amorites ended up over in Europe and they did some copper mining there. But there were another group that came here to North America because we have some natural like ancient copper mines here in North America in the area of uh, uh, Lake Michigan. There's these ancient copper mines where uh, tons and tons and tons of copper have been mined from from these this these mines and they and 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 geologists they don't know where it's at they're like we can't believe there's so much copper that is missing over this long period of time for probably thousands of years 
and and there is not much evidence. Some of the natives in that area did work a little bit with copper, but not much, and it wouldn't explain all the. It had to have been a vast operation of uh, probably some advanced seafaring culture that came and and mined that copper and and took it out. And well, why would they mm-hmm. mine copper? Well, you pu- combine copper and tin, and that makes bronze. And of course, armor weapons were made of bronze. Right. And in fact, in that particular area of Lake Michigan, there were found these copper spear points that were exactly like uh, the same spear points that were used over in the biblical Levant at that p- particular period of time. The mm-hmm. exact te- technology that found in North America was at in the in the biblical Levant, and and one of those items was called a socketed spear. So your more traditional spear. Uh, you know, you'd have your metal spear point, and then you would have a tang, like a strip of metal. Right. You would split the shaft, and you would mm-hmm. stick that tang through, and then you would use some type of binding Just, to right, secure right. the point. Whereas right. so- a socketed spear that was be that was found um, in, in the uh, Lake Michigan copper mines that were that was used over in the biblical Levant at that same period of time, it was called the socketed spear, and it was a an, innovation and i've got a replica of a bronze age this is more of a european style um oh, socketed wow. spear wow. so it's more yeah. like the, the base of it's more of a, a of a cylinder so if your shaft um of your spear broke you know you could easily take another one and you can and just, just jam it, it in and just jam yep. it through and probably some of them probably had some type of a, maybe a pin that would go through but it would be a lot easier and quicker method with this type of design Sure. Than the than the traditional kind that had the the the, the tang, yep. and you would have to split the shaft and put mm-hmm. it in, and then you know bind it. So we would make the same, very battle ready. <laughs> would make very battle ready. You know, I no. I would I would take one of these any day over yeah. one of those those other types <laughs> of spirit, right? Yeah. And so what's interesting is that again you have some some correlations. Like well, you have this advanced technology for that period of time, and this is go, going back several thousand years. Here in North America, and it's the exact same kind of technology that's used in the in the biblical biblical Levant at that period of time. Wow. And so Fritz Zimmerman's theory is that they came here, they were mining copper, and some of them um, interacted with the native peoples. And of course, there were some wars going on. Some of it was violent, uh, but some of these Amorites they did interbreed with the Native American tribes. Mm. That's that's crazy to me. Well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised, really. No, but it's just it's really cool. And you never, I've never heard any of this research ever no. anywhere. Never seen it anywhere. No. It's just been like hidden. I think. Yeah. Well, you a, know, a lot of ancient okay, mysteries. Go, go, oh yeah, no, ahead, I was just saying, there's a lot of mysteries. And when I was doing my research, it took me about four years, and and mm-hmm. there was so much that I had compiled. I, I just put a portion of it in that first book i had to get myself to stop i'm like floyd you better you better just stop (laughs) because your average person isn't going to want to pick up like a five or six hundred page book you know right right. let's just shorten it interesting though you know yeah it it is it was hard to stop i'm Mm -hmm. sure it was well there's one more thing that we want to talk to you about and sure he's really jazzed about it but um the lost city of the blonde giants in sonora mexico the lost city of the blonde. And I'm going to explain why I'm very interested in that. Yes. So okay. my mom's side, I'm Scottish and, and, you know, so I'm only, I'm only half, but, um, on, on my other side, I am, my family actually comes from the Sierra Madres. 
which if you don't know where that is, that is Sonora, Mexico. Oh, and, very cool. Yeah, and it when I when we touched on that, it kind of blew me away because my grandmother, uh, it's it's hard to explain, but she had some gifts that I, I will never understand to this day. She was she she definitely would blow a lot of people's mind when it comes to paranormal research. But mm. anyway, um, but yeah, it, we come from that area, Sonora, Mexico, and we're very deep entrenched with the history there. So when that when that came up, I was kind of, I'll be honest, it was pretty floored. So yeah, if you could, if you kind of talk a little bit about that, it'd be awesome. Absolutely. Well, first off, I want to ask you, so was there any legends that you had heard of, like within your family or community about giants or anything like that? No, not that I can recall. Unfortunately, um, a lot of that got lost. I think when, when a lot of the, the natives came from the Sierra Madres and that area and they migrated up north, there was a lot of acculturation that went on, and I think a lot of that got lost, unfortunately. So now I, I really didn't get to get to know. Okay. That's why it floored me, to be honest with you. Right, yeah. So that article is very interesting, and if, if I remember correctly, um, the archaeologist that was uh, kind of in charge of that expedition, his name was Paxton Hayes, and he was mm-hmm. a really interesting character, kind of reminded me of a Indiana Joe, Jones kind of guy. And yes. he made this discovery – in the in this ca- in this uh, area, um, I think it was in a, in a cave system of these tall, uh, blonde-haired giants, and some of these things were seven feet, eight feet tall. And if I remember correctly, didn't it reference like some of these structures that were um, mm-hmm. that were almost mosque-like? Yeah, they were yeah. mosque-like, and and they had um, bamboo incorporated in them. Just mm-hmm. obviously very unusual and and totally probably totally different from the indigenous people yeah. in that in that area. Yeah, we wouldn't. I don't even know that bamboo is something. I'm sure they can grow it now, but I don't think that's something that would have been indigenous to that area. Not that yeah. I, I recall. It's too it's too up north for it to be kind of in that central equity equatorial area where you would think enough humidity and things like that mm-hmm. would, would allow that to grow, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Just the whole article. I mean, it just kind of mind, mind blowing stuff. And I remember some of the clothing, they had these, these markings on there and they, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. impacts to believe that they, they, it was symbolic that it, it represented some type of celestial events that this, this ancient civilization had recorded um, just very, very in- intriguing, and in fact, I think it showed a picture of him um, holding up a, a skull, um, some type of a giant yeah, I skull. I, I'm not sure it's if that's yeah. That's if you want right here, <laughs> yeah, take, take take a peek and, and see if that's the if that's referencing the article. In fact, I've got my copy right here. Let's I just see, see the article, but I don't see a picture. Okay, maybe that. I th- it looks like there might have been a picture at the bottom, but it's not in the book. Okay, but I do have, um, okay, so this is, this is the one that I'm, I'm looking at here. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Yeah, and this is another, this is Paxton Hayes again, and this is another article. It says, Paxton Hayes, explorer, um, studies the head of a giant mummy uh, discovered in a deep cave uh, this is in Sonora, Mexico. Okay, so yeah, that, that is it for okay. sure. Yeah, the mummified remains were of a race uh, seven and a half feet tall and preserved in excellent condition. 
corn found with the mummies has been given to scientists. So probably along with that head, and that's yeah. probably why we've never seen another another picture of it other than in this old right. article, right? I'm sure the top men know where it is. The top men know where it's know where it's at. I'm sure I'm sure they have a nice crate for it. Yep. Well listen, you know, Floyd, we could probably talk to you all night long. I mean there's with the stuff that we read in that book, we'd love to have you back at some point if you're oh, interested. Absolutely, back. yeah. Just um, reach out to me. I mean, there's a lot of other rabbit holes we can go down. For Especially sure, there's a, a, a little people. That's another yeah, fascinating that's subject. The one yeah, that's, yeah the one. that's the one. I'm excited about. I'm a big well, uh, Lord of the Rings fan. Lord of the Rings. Like, and- if there's- Real hobbits, I would be really jazzed. <laughs> there, there, there is a florist yeah. hobbit of Indonesia mentioned in yeah. my book, so we have That's archaeological so awesome. we have archaeological proof, right? And then we have That's O-ring, awesome. O-ring Pendag of Indonesia that was kind of like the little Bigfoot, the little mm-hmm. hobbit like yeah. Bigfoot. So yeah, absolutely. If you want to have me back on, you just reach out and love to. we could yeah, we, we could do a show on the little people. I, I, I love that subject too. Well, that sounds good. Did you want to mention anything about when you think that second book or kind of anything beyond that? Or Yeah, um, it's going to be a while. Uh, yeah. I do I do have a lot of references that um, and notes that I've taken that I'm saving for my second book. Right now, I'm just focusing a lot on promoting this book. I, sure. I a, I'm a self-published author, and yes. so I've got I'm doing pretty much everything on my own. If 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 anyone is interested in purchasing my book, you can. Uh, I would encourage you to go to bookbaby.com, and they have a bookshop on there, and you can just type in uh, my name, Floyd Wills, or the Red Hair Giants of Lovelock Cave, and you'll you'll pull it up and and book baby they really support uh self-published authors but i'm also on amazon too if you want to go to amazon the books on amazon and 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 barnes and noble as well i also have a website uh it's at theancientgiants.com and there's a chapter breakdown on my website that gives a lot more details about what's in each chapter of my book also there's more information um on myself and my research and there's some links with uh with podcasts previous podcasts that i've done if anyone's Mm -hmm. interested in those yeah and i highly recommend it you know for our listeners you know it, there's uh there's really it, it's just a great book like i said at the beginning it's a very it's a, it's a good read it's easy to mm-hmm. to follow and it's it, it really there's so much in there that i think can appeal to just about everybody you know it's oh, yeah, it's absolutely. got you know it's what i love has got some great references to you know some pop culture which is awesome yeah. but uh yeah, yeah. but uh, i wanted no, to it, make it fun i wanted it, to make it, it fun is. It, yeah, you hit it out the park. It's, it's absolutely fun. So, but yeah, please, listeners, please uh, help support Floyd. It's a great book. Uh, mm-hmm. Please go purchase it. Uh, go to his website and uh, get involved. This is a great topic. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, we're gonna go ahead and uh, let you have the rest of your day back. And All thank right. you so much. And well, uh, thank you. It's been a been a pleasure. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate. It. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Wow. That was a, that was an amazing interview. It was. <laughs> um, Floyd, thanks again for coming on. I mean, we're honored to have you as our, as our initial first guest on our season two, but yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts are, it's just, you know, there's so much out there and, and he covers so much in this book. I mean, don't take it for face value. You really should read it. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much involved. And I know some people will say, well, you don't want to get over biblical. You don't want to get over this way or don't want to talk about, you know, uh, UFOs and all that. Listen, 
it's it's really the way Floyd presents it is here's the evidence. Mm-hmm. Here's what I've got. You make your own assumption on it. And that's really what we do here at Generation X Paranormal, yeah. too. So I mean, it was definitely well researched. And, and you got to take these ancient texts into consideration. I mm-hmm. mean, the Bible. Yes, it's it's part of a religion, but it's also an ancient text. Yeah. Of what was what happened so you got to also look at that as well as maybe possible evidence that these things existed you know across every country there's mm-hmm. been you know the buddhist wrote stuff the you know and that's all these separate religions but you got to look at them because there could be some valuable information in there right and that, that's what he did um so and it mentions way way more than we actually talked about yes in this interview we we, there's no way we could have fit it no, all. No, I mean, it was already, you know, mm-hmm. we're, you guys know it was about an hour already. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, bless his heart, he's great, you know, to sit there that long. But we could have gone for mm-hmm. another two, three hours. There's just so much involved. Um, but, you know, uh, it's really going to come down to what you guys think, what you what you feel. Um, I think any good piece of literature elicits a, a, a reaction from someone, mm-hmm. whether good, bad or indifferent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it to be a great book. Um, again, you know, kind of what Nicole is saying, you know, he presents the, the evidence and, or what his findings are and you make your own assumptions, but yeah, I mean, biblical, other things like that, they provide some historical reference. I mean, whether or not, yeah, whether or not you choose to believe whatever you can deity, I mean, it's, it's up to you. It's no one's here to force your hand on anything, but I just find it is such a great, uh, great book and a great touchstone to kind of kick off our season mm-hmm. two. So who do you think they were the red hair giants specifically? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, it's so, it's so crazy because I almost get this like Nordic feeling from them too. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're red haired, you know? And if you think of, of how continental drift and all mm-hmm. these different things happen, seafarers seafarers they kind of feel like a viking Uh norse god type thing Mm -hmm. i mean we haven't watched the show and everybody keeps telling us to but vikings (laughs) i mean they were brutal they were they were brutal warriors so they you know they came in on multiple countries and took over you know for sure so that's what made me think about the violent tendencies and stuff um i don't know about the blood stuff but even some of the the druids and the pagan you know belief systems came from that type of stuff and they did blood sacrifices and, and all those types of things. So yeah. could it be, you know, a version like an a very ancient version of that? Sure. Um, one thing that we didn't really talk about, I mean, he, he mentioned it a little bit, but that they taught astrology constellations, yeah. knowledge of the clouds, signs of the earth, the signs of the sun, the course of the moon. Yeah. All that stuff is very druid. Yes, it very, is. <laughs> so it makes me think that, there is some relation there, sure. you know, with the light. Cause he said the one had the white mm-hmm. skin, black the blonde, complexion. the blonde yeah. hair, red hair. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a mixture of different things, yeah. of course, of course, but I think it, it's coming from the North. That's kind of how I feel about <laughs> it North. for sure. Yeah. I mean, but that's just a wild guess, yeah. of course, but I, it's kind of just all that coming together. It made it sound very, yeah. Very Nordic, Nordic. very Norse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, listen, guys, we're uh, we're excited about this new season. We've got got a lot planned. We've already got kind of what we know what we're doing for the next few episodes coming up. Mm-hmm. Stick around. There's some really great stuff. Um, anyway, hey, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.
Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Check out our YouTube at Generation X Paranormal. Also, check out our Facebook, Generation X Paranormal Podcast. Love to have you. See you then.